the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. After the week we've had, I think we need some positive words. A man should never be ashamed to own that he has been wrong, which is but saying that he is wiser today than he was yesterday. Ain't it the truth? Only the wisest and stupidest of men never change. That's Confucius, I believe. You are only two options regarding commitment. There are only two options regarding commitment. You are either in or out. There's no such thing as a life in between. I believe that's Pat Riley. Uh, this is, uh, we're, we're live today, and uh, I don't know how many more live shows we're going to have, because I think they're gonna, uh, there's a possibility that Ohio could go on lockdown. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you um, have a question, you want to call in here, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And uh, look, uh, if, if you have any questions uh, or you want to call me or email me, uh, go to WHK1420. Go to local podcasts and then go down to Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show. My webpage is easily accessible from there, and it has all sorts of contact me, email me. You can even call me. It's 888-223-7742. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be at that number Monday or not, but we'll find out. Look, I, I, I keep talking about uh, there are some times when you need money. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about this credit access line for a long time. And we do have a, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. And, uh, look, do you, do you really want to take money out of your account now or do you want to borrow against it? Now, an IRA, I had a couple people call me on IRAs. You can't borrow against your IRA, but your regular accounts you can. And it seems to me it'd probably be a better idea to uh, borrow than to uh, to sell at this point. We also have uh, everybody's looking for income. We have a global best income ideas, and you know I talked to a couple business people this week uh, who who I, you know I mentioned we have a business owner's guide to transition planning. So to all you guys and gals out there that owns businesses, uh, if you're thinking about selling them or you know. Uh, Change it over to the next generation of your family, whatever it may be. Uh, you got a partner. Uh, one case, I had a you know a guy had his partner was very sick, and uh, so we we set him up with some people that can help him. And uh, you know, it's a tough time to have that problem, but uh, a lot a lot of people have problems right now, and uh, we got to stick together, right? Uh, we also have our April newsletter. It's uh, you know your tax refund. Should you spend it or save it? Uh, keeping cool. Investment strategy versus reaction. I think that's very important right now. And Social Security, whether you like it or not, may offer a uh, a lifetime of uh, security. Uh, look, <laughs> I got to apologize. I have all these people that that called in, and uh, RBC has gone through a change of th- you know, two or three different software programs, and for some reason, uh, 
the people who were on my email list did not transfer two times. So we found that out last week. We got everybody back on board. So if you're wondering why you haven't been hearing from me, I apologize. Uh, I thought we were okay, and then I found out the hard way uh, from a couple people uh, I've been talking to pretty regularly that they haven't been getting emails. And uh, so we've got a lot of people set up. If if you haven't been getting emails, would like to get the emails, go to contact me or email me at WHK1420, you know, local podcast down at Tim Hayes. Go directly to my webpage, and we'll take care of that. I did send out a video on uh, the coronavirus and one of the some of the things we're thinking about. Uh, so if you'd like that video, please, uh, you know, call, whatever. Um, you know, a couple things just to get back to business is global spending on digital games in a new high in, in 2019. Uh, we went to $109 billion in 2019. It was up 3%. And uh, free-to-play titles drove the bulk of the spending, which is interesting. Denmark sourced almost half of its electricity consumption from wind power last year. So there's a, there, that's a real interesting. Denmark's a very small comp, uh, country, by the way. But, you know, more than 60 drug play, uh, makers raised prices in the U.S. on January 1st. Uh, according to analysis from XR Savings Solutions, the average increase was 5.8%. Uh, according to the analysts, including increases on different doses for the same drug. This is a smaller increase than last year, however. That's good. Uh, so, you know, uh, th- this is Tim Hayes speaking. This is not RBC. You know, I was watching the uh, the White House press conference this, uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday, and uh, Mr. Trump and, and Mr. Pence and all the doctors that were in- involved were trying to be very, very positive. And one reporter kept asking questions that, you know, I'd like to choke the guy. I mean, all I could think of was this guy's is a very educated, self in- self-induced <laughs> moron but anyway that's that's for another time but uh look i whether whatever side of the aisle you're on it doesn't matter i think what we have to do is come together as a nation you know this could be our finest hour uh but we still have kids down in florida you know twerking on the beach you know they're immortal they think but i think that you know they'll once the once one or two of them get sick and and by the way what's worse is they'll be coming back to their home states and i don't know where their parents are but i think the you know look the fed this week uh, and that's Tim Hayes' opinion, by the way, not RBC's. So uh, just me spouting off a little bit. Look, the Fed this week, i, I got to give kudos to Jay Powell. Uh, he said they do whatever it takes, and by God, they've done it. They've, you know, they lowered interest rates by a percentage point um, to zero to two, two and a half uh, to 25 basis points. They they had a, 200, a $500 billion in Treasury repurchased at new asset program, $200 billion in mortgage-backed securities, uh, they added a lot, uh, and they they just they open market operations. They they sent about three trillion dollars out into the economy. That is very very positive. So everybody's been giving Jay a hard time, Mr. Powell. I think you're doing a great job. Um, one of the things I did notice, and that, you know, this I think is smart investing here. Okay, so listen up, for all you bond people. We maintained our neutral position on fixed income, but what we did do. Uh, and uh, we main uh, we main neutral on on uh, equities too, but I, I if I believe I'm correct, we add exposure to um, uh, high yield corporates, and we we did not you know we have a 650 basis point spread, that's six and a half percentage points now. Now you got to be 
sure of who you're giving the money to, okay, you got to have some smart people doing the portfolio management. And I would suggest either an ETF or a uh, a bond, you know, a, a bond uh, mutual fund. But you know, high yield is high yield. Okay, the high yield credit spreads at, is at eight uh, percent, and it's priced for recession. The only time I saw it worse was in '09, and then in 2002. Okay, where we got up to about ten percent. So maybe, like I said last week, with equities, you don't buy all at once; you buy in tranches. Now. <laughs> I forgot to explain what a tranche is. A tranche is a bond term. And so what they do is they try to put pieces of their bond portfolio out or their their debt portfolio out in tranches or pieces so that they get an interest rate that is, you know, more aligned with what's happening instead of, you know, putting one out when they spike up and then putting one out when they're down. So, all right, so they put them out piece by piece. Now, I will say this. One of the things that worries me a little bit is that the amount of money market, uh, in money markets from, you know, basically a month ago till now has increased from 3 trillion to 3.7 trillion, uh, 3.8 trillion as of Friday, actually. And that's the second highest ever in the money market. I said it was the highest last week and I apologize for being wrong. I, sometimes you're wrong. Uh, I read that somewhere else, but, uh, you know, this comes from RBC, so I'm pretty sure it's right. But, you know, that my, my question is for the next 60 days, do you really want to buy anybody's paper? Because that's what money markets are. Remember, money markets are no longer guaranteed. Okay? They weren't guaranteed in the first place, but quite a few of them broke the buck back in, in uh, 2008. So, uh, look, I've moved all my clients into the RBC. Uh, uh, they have a, a bank deposit program. Pays a little bit more than the money market right now, too. And uh, I think, you know, uh, you know, if they break the buck, they ain't paying you this time. So just remember. So look, a recession doesn't mean doom for the market. Uh, there's some serious economic fallout from COVID-19 and it continues to grow. Okay. With events being canceled, business scaling down. I mean, Friday, you know, we had triple witching hour, which uh, everybody knows about. Uh, but you know, that was the sell off in the, in the late afternoon is when, you know, cause you had options, futures and, and all that stuff coming due at once. So, uh, we've, we've suspended the NBA, the NHL, March Madness, NFL draft, you name it. Automa- automakers have sh- uh, temporarily shut their plants. But, you know, and everybody's worried about the recession. Okay. The possibility of recession is certainly a cause for concern. There's no doubt about it. Recessions are awfully accom- uh, often accompanied by a host of adverse conditions like increased levels of unemployment and homelessness, et cetera. In addition, you know, you got a negative social impacts, uh, or societal impacts, I should say. Many investors also fear recession because they're associate recessions with steep drawdowns in the equity markets. Look, risk. The risk was a month ago. All right. You can't, you, you gotta be thinking different. Okay. You can't be covering, you know, underneath a chair right now simply because the market's down. All right. This, this might be the opportunity. Now, I'm not, like I said, you don't want to buy all at once or you want to buy one stock that day, one stock the next day. I don't know if you want to buy the S&P 500, okay? But look, um, what you need to realize is that the equity market is a leading economic indicator as opposed to a trailing indicator, okay? So look, six months from now, the news is going to sound bad, okay? But at six months from now, what about six months and a day? 
Do you think we might have this under wraps? Who knows, okay? Uh, you know, the S&P 500 is included as part of the conference board's leading economic indicators. Leading economic indicators, okay? Remember that. So, look, remember back in, in uh, April 3rd of 2009, the headlines to the, the uh, New York Times said 663,000 jobs lost, total tops 5 million. Nine months later, the small cap index was up 24%. Because that's who they saved back then. They didn't save the big names. The big names saved themselves to a certain degree. Uh, they saved the banks. And by the way, when you throw helicopter money, that saves the little guy that was going out of business. So there we go. Uh, look, we on Thursday, the U.S. equity markets experienced a bounce with the S&P 500 finishing the day with a gain of, of half a percent. Uh, the upward price pressure caused some notable movement on the S&P 500 longer-term box, you know, if we're looking at point-and-figure charts. So the chart broke a double bottom at 2350 and making the third consecutive sell signal before moving lower. And because it was positive action on Thursday, the chart was able to reverse back up. So that's positive, all right? The high-low index is at 2. So the number of new highs versus new lows is at 2. That's, that is the same place we were in 2018, the two, same place we were in 2011, the same place we were in 2009, oversold. So if we look at the 2007 to 2012 high-low index, you know, we've had in 2009 and 2008, we were, we were at that 2% twice, all right? So remember that, all right? Don't get... Remember, when you're really frightened is when you got to get bullish, okay? I'm supposed to mention that we, we're a live show again. It's uh, the, the number here is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. Now, the bullish percent for all equity funds went to eight this week. So what we're seeing is some stuff, uh, you know, that we haven't seen in a long time, a uh, couple years anyway. So look. Somebody asked me, "Am I frightened?" Nah, I mean I'm I'm worried for my family. I got a you know new granddaughter. I'm very worried for, her. but the sentiment is an important factor in assessing the out the, the state of the outlook. And everybody's negative right now, uh, but the question is, you know, will science be over be able to overtake this? Okay, will science be able to overtake this? And I guess my question is, I don't know the answer to that. But all I know is, when all the news is bad news, is when markets bottom. Look, the VIX hit 85 a week ago Thursday. On the next Thursday, when we were down the highest point total we'd ever been down, it only got to 83. Last week, on Monday, when the world looked like it was ending, it only got to 79.80. The trend, which is the amount of selling versus buying, hit a new high. Well, not an all-time new high, but hit the same level as it did in 2008, the same level it hit in 2000, uh, 1987, okay, and 2002. However, 
That was a week ago Thursday. On, on the week Thursday, we hit a lower level. And on Monday, we hit a lower level than that. So something's going on here. I think we're in the process of bottoming. Now, I'm not going to call you know, a bottom at this point. I think we're there. We're close. But look, South Korea, the cases are going. Okay, There were 4,000 new lows on March 16th. There were 2,377 on March 12th. The high low index comes in around 3%. The lowest reading came in 1987 at 0.7%. All right. So according to the research I've been doing, we wait for the, con- you know, the, the confirmation on the indicators based on the data. So we, we want to wait. Okay. You don't want to be the first one in. You don't have to be, but don't be bearish. Remember, when you get a move below five or 10% on the New York Stock Exchange high low index, the next six months or next year, I should say, are usually pretty good times, okay? Uh, we've averaged about a 33% gain, all right? Now, you got to wait for the indicators to turn. The other thing is domestic equities fell a couple points, a, a couple spots this, this month. Fixed income and cash are now above that for obvious reasons. All right, we're going to be right back. Um, stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you have a question, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. Okay, we're back. We do have Jay on the line. Jay, how are you? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm I'm okay. I hope you're staying safe, man. Good. Well, I don't believe in all of this stuff anyway, so okay. I think I'm safe anyhow. Good. So, um, one thing I'm not safe about, and that's investing. I am a complete, and I say this with pride, I'm a complete investment moron. <laughs> And I'm okay with that. Okay. However, um, there's a question that I've been kicking around for a while as to whether to invest in something or not, and I thought you might be the appropriate person to ask. Hopefully I'll help. Um, there's a company that went into bankruptcy about three months ago. You may, And I'm sure you're aware of them. Celadon, C-E-L-A-D-O-N. Yeah, I know who it was a trucking. It was a trucking company. Yeah. And... They are down, well, they're, they're way down. Obviously, they filed for reorganization. And their stock is available for purchase, and it's down around a penny or a penny and a half a share. And I think they were up to, at one point, $159 and were there for a very long, I mean, years, decades. Um, and something happened in management that actually uh, preceded their their reorganization filing and here's my question i'm actually thinking of buying in where they are right now it's been very steady for about three months and it's very low and i i get that no jay, but don't. it's going to come back people are, are going to no, reorganize jay, jay. They're gonna, go ahead. Jay, when they reorganize the equity people get wiped out if you want to do it look into their fixed income their their bonds I don't know what that means. their bonds Equity equity gets wiped out, man. You know, there's no point in buying that stock. It's wiped out. That's why it's at a penny. If you want to look to see if they have any corporate bonds, make sure you buy the the highest ranked corporate bond you can buy. Okay, because they're they're right 
in line with the banks, but the equity's gone, so don't bother. Okay, so even if a hundred, I put a hundred bucks in it, that's a waste of money. It's a waste of money, and that's all I was thinking of. Yeah, bucks. yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> it's okay. that's what bankruptcy is all about. They wipe out the equity. Okay. All right, okay. Uh, I got to run. We got a couple other people. Uh, Kevin, how are you? Hey, uh, I'm great. Thanks for taking my call. Um, the, the question I have is muni bonds. Uh, this week, the Fed. It sounds like they're starting to backstop in some way muni bonds uh, is this like it was in in 08 and 09 and what do you what's your outlook i know you're flat or, or or you know uh neutral on bonds in general but is this a uh you know like a trigger point are, are muni bonds going to rally um look i mean i wouldn't buy chicago muni bonds uh i i you know, I mean, those things are, you know, double B, triple B, okay? So, it dep- yeah. you know, muni bonds is a, is a big category, Kevin, and I think I would, uh, look. Um, well, I, I've got the Franklin, Ohio, uh, and I'm just wondering if I should uh, add the positions. It, it's down about 5% in all of this, and, I, and I'm just wondering, like I said, if, if I mean, I'm Frank, trying to Franklin, interpret what's yeah. being said. Franklin is good people. I mean, you know, buying bonds at the all-time lowest yield is kind of crazy. But uh, you know, municipals are a little bit different in that they're high, they yield more than treasuries. But I think that indicates the, the extra risk involved. Okay, so uh, you know, treasuries are a place you go if the world's ending. You know that that's what uh, basically they're they've been doing for the last couple of months. Uh, so got it. Yeah, okay. you know, look, the Fed is buying them, but stay stay high quality. So that's all I'd say. Okay. All right. Thanks. And we have John, too. Have a good day. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, John? Yes, hello. How are you? Okay. Uh, when the market crashed in 29, things didn't really get bad till 31 or 32. Can you explain that? Uh, uh, well, 31, 32. Well, yeah, uh, basically, like I said earlier in the show, John, is that the stock market anticipates things. Okay? So what... What's happening in the stock market right now is going to tell you six months from now, you know, it's a leading indicator. It's, it's in the leading indicators that the government puts out. It's one of the strong, biggest ones. So right. six months from now, you're going to hear some really bad news, and I bet you the market's rallying by then. Well, what caused the depression for 10 years? Uh, <laughs> bad economic policy. The Fed tightened instead of loosening. We added tariffs instead of staying away from tariffs. We did a lot of dumb things as a government. You know, FDR was considered a great president simply because he turns in his, in, into socialists, but he he made sure that we had Social Security and a bunch of other stuff. So he his actually his fiscal policy probably kept kept us in the depression a, a little bit long. So it was just terrible government policy. That's when when Ben Bernanke became the Fed chair. I said, "Oh God, God help us," because that's you know his entire study. You know, if you took a class from him at Yale, it was basically a, a depression. You know. He's the one that wrote all the books on the Depression, John. Okay? Right. Yeah. Right. All right? Okay, thank you. Have a great day. Uh, anyway, so the bullish percent, look, we had a kind of a rout of this thing. Uh, you know, it's at 6% this week. And this is the fifth time that the bullish percent has been in single digits. The other four times were September 1974, a bottom. October 1987, a bottom. October 2008, another bottom. November 2008, 
<laughs> you know, and what it did was it rallied and came right back down. And uh, those being 4%, I think they were the lowest readings I can remember. So you got to remember the bullish percent, when it's up over 70, that's when things are, you know, we were just at 63, and I said that's a high level, all right? And I said, you, you know, we, the bullish percent turned down. I said you should be careful. Now, I wasn't expecting the, the tidal wave that we had, but look, uh, normally what you want to do is in situations like this, you want to make sure that you, um, you know, you got, you got to wait for things to turn a little bit. But look, the high-low index is at 8.2, okay? So, uh, you know, we have our 10 weeks for the New York Stock Exchange, which is a new indicator. It, it fell to 2 this week. So the advanced decline line hit 30. Now, we've had a couple other times when the advanced decline line were below that. It was in 2008 at 28%, 2011 at 28%. We're at 30 so we're not too far. So what I'm suggesting is we are oversold, folks. We are drastically oversold. And, um, you know, I, I look at the, the chart readings on the S&P 500. It's at, 50, it's at 18. The Nasdaq's at 28. The mid cap and small cap are at 10. Now, look, we did have, like I said, bonds and cash jump over domestic equities. Boy, what a surprise for the month, Okay. But look, if, if you're looking at, you know, your dynamic asset level investings that our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with, I think you want to be in cap weighted, large cap growth, technology. The, the U.S. dollar went crazy this week. So there's another thing you want to take a look at. Um, look, sometimes you, you know, you know, you have this plan and you expect it to go smoothly. It doesn't go so smoothly all the time, but oh, we got Carlo. Carlo, how are you? Carlo? How are you? How you doing? I'm, oh, is it Carl? I'm sorry. Carl. Carl, okay. They added a no to your name. <laughs> That's all. How are you? I'm well. Good, great show today. See, I wanted to ask you about the state pension plans and how they're impacted by this recent downturn and the fact that most of them have been underwater even during the best of times. And some of them have even kind of had exposure to hedge funds and some risky investments trying to recoup their losses from 2009. And I'm just worried that some of them may go under or they're going to have to, you know, give their retirees a haircut as far as their monthly payments. Wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, Carl. So I'd, I'd rather not speculate. Uh, I, if I were you, I would call my uh, my pension and, and ask them the same question just ask me because, uh, you know, it's it, it goes pension by pension. And uh, I have no idea what hedge funds went under, which ones went did. I, I'm pretty sure a couple of them did. But in the meantime, I'd rather not speculate. That's something I, you know, I'd rather not, you know, that that's something you need to do with your pension, not me. Okay. Understand. Okay. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Anyway, look, I've I've seen some charts out there that are hitting new highs. Okay, so there are stocks going up, uh, and I think you know maybe this state of emergency thing that they're all talking about. I mean, they're they're telling everybody in New York, Illinois, and uh, and California, which are basically socialist states. Uh, to stay indoors, okay, uh, which is good. So, you know, if we can, you know, curve the upward trend of the coronavirus, you know, I think we're in good shape. So, look, we're, when everything is bad, okay, sentiment usually makes a bottom. And if you look at the, the call put indexes, they're all way above where they normally are as far as fear is concerned. The VIX is way up there. Uh, the weekly momentum is at an area where I, I haven't seen it hit in a long, long time. You know, the VIX hit 85. 
the TRIN, which is the arms trading index, and it's a measure of buying and selling uh, pressure, hit a you know it hit a new high and keeps hitting. It doesn't hit the new high, and the percent of stocks above their two hundred and fifty day moving average are down where we normally bottom. All right, so it's it's a it's scenario. Uh, it's kind of like nineteen eighty seven, but nineteen eighty seven. We had a lower high. This came from a direct high, so it was a little bit harder to predict. All right, we'll be right back with the uh, the the uh, bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. No gold payments, tired starlings. Silver horses, wild down moonbeams in your dark Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And look, uh, uh, with the global, um, you know, pandemic that we talk about here uh, hitting, you know, a lot of people have been talking about their environmental and social and governance funds getting hammered. Okay, and the score ratings went down pretty drastically. And this coincides with, uh, I think, you know, the fact that, uh, look, uh, more frequently by investors, I think you've seen the overall risk portfolio of those type of companies is pretty high because they're overbought. And I think a lot of money was shoved into these ideas in a big way in the last two years. So that's a problem, okay? Now, that coincides with, you know, the growth versus value scenario. And I did get a couple uh, uh, questions. One was from Rick, and he asked about stocks like, uh, Alcoa and Freeport MacMoran and, and some of the other, you know, deep in the whole value stocks. And they're cheap. Uh, they're very, very cheap. But the question is, will they turn? And I haven't seen them turn yet. You know, so unless you're a deep, deep value player, uh, value has been getting its butt kicked by growth for, you know, probably six, seven years now. And uh, I, I don't see any sign of a turn yet. All right, now it may, but look, a lot of people put money into S&P 500 funds. I, I was I was at a party, and a bunch of people were talking about putting the money in S&P 500s. They didn't even know what it was. They didn't even know what it was. That's where they put their 100% of their 401k in. Now they're getting killed, okay? So the question is, will they stay there? I mean, a lot of people have bailed out in the last week. So that's the big question. But the bullish percent uh, is in a column of O's. It's at 6 uh, it was down 10% for the week, or 2 2.5% for the week. The over-the-counter index is in O's, and it's at 8. Uh, it was down 7%, and the world index is at, uh, at O's at 10, and it was down 6%. So all the major bullish indicators continued lower. Now, look, I think uh, this is only – we've only been below 10 four times in, in my history in this business. So – and I, I'm not a spring chicken, all right? Um so in a bullish environment, I think these ESP, ESG performance has been good. Investors appreciate, you know, the added social and environmental impact. But when the rubber meets the road during market declines, will investors resort to traditional defensive investments and no longer prioritize their investing? Look, there's two things that are important in your life usually. Three things, actually. Family is most important. Your health and your money. There are times when your money is more important than, you know, whatever. Anyway, 
Domestic asset level investing comes, and by the way, the bullish percent comes from our friends at Dorsey Wright. And remember, the bullish percent is just a, a risk indicator. So when we were up at 63 just two months ago, uh, that's when the risk was. Okay, the risk is is sure there's still a little bit of risk in the market, but it's 30 percent lower than 33 percent lower than it was a month ago. Okay, so you know you gotta you gotta think different. That's what I'm trying to teach everybody to think different. Um, and and this this chart goes from it, you know it's a point and figure chart it was designed to be bullish at the bottom, and folks were as close to the bottom as you can get. I think. All right. So this goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. You should be scared at that point. A month ago, I was listening to CNBC, and they were all talking about the new highs. Apple's going to go to the moon. You know, there was $500, $600 price targets for Apple. It's down $90. $90. Boeing was going to lift off again and go to 600 It's at 95 down almost 200 bucks. Alliance Data Systems. You know, this was a home run shot. This, our analyst, you know, he, he went neutral on it, <laughs> which should have said sell at 250. It hit 20 this week. Okay. So there's been some damage done, but the point is the damage is already done. All right. So don't get bearish. So when you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when you want to be, you know, getting greedy. That's when nobody wants to talk to me. Okay. That's when people are calling me up and say, get me out. It's usually not the right idea. All right. So we're down near the bottom. Now, you know, look, if you're cautious, that's okay. I get it. You know, it's psychologically displeasing to buy stocks when they're down or when the market's down. It makes it, it you know, like I said last week, the best investments usually come with some kind of stomach churning. Okay. It's the way it is. You know, if your stomach's churning as you put your name down or you buy something, usually you've done the right thing. So anyway, when we're below 30, it's really good. When we're below 10, it's better. I'm telling you. So I just want to know that the change was fixed income, which was a, a great idea a couple weeks ago, has come down, uh, rallied up high. I have no- noticed that they broke out of a triangle pattern, which is usually positive. And... Uh, but I mean, you got to hope for upside because we're only talking one percent for the ten-year Treasury. That's why I think RBC's call to go to the high yields, and I, I think you buy high yield a piece at a time. I don't think you have to be the first one in. Okay, so uh, but we've we've had negative weekly momentum for a long, long time here, about nine, eight, ten weeks, which is usually a pretty long time in the stock market. Remember, I said eleven, twelve uh, uh, weeks back. You know, we had straight straight up movement. You know. By the way, just so you know, back in October, the first week of October, we talked about meld up, and then we talked about be careful, all right? Be careful. Now, we weren't careful enough because we only thought there'd be an 8 to 10% correction, and it was a lot bigger one. So I apologize about that, but you can't be perfect in this business. Like I, like I said earlier to the show, if you admit to your mistakes, you're smarter the next day than you are the day before. Simple as that. So I, I think, you know, if you look at support levels, and if I look at ETFs, the support on the Dow Jones is about 1800 uh, the emerging markets, uh, ETF, uh, EEM is about 29. EFA is 46. Uh, the frontier is at an all time low, so we don't have to worry about that. The mid cap index is 122. That's IJ, IJH and IJR, which is small cap is 49. Uh, the XLJ is 176. That's the 50 largest companies. The, uh, 
the S and P five hundred spider is at one eighty two, and and the uh, equal weight is at sixty eight. So those are some things to think about. Now here's some things I saw. Okay, and I forgot to mention this is a live show, so the phone number is two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. The dollar just spiked. Man, it was at eighty eight, and it, and it finished the week at a hundred and one. That's a that's the biggest move I've seen in a dollar in a two week period in my career, and I've been doing. I'm not a spring chicken, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not that old either. <laughs> I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I've been around the block a couple times, so the dollar made a huge move. Oil got killed on Friday again, okay? So this Saudi, you know, I, what I don't understand is why President Trump just doesn't tell the Saudis, "Hey, we're taking our troops out." You know, sorry. We, we're leaving, you know, you're going to play games with us. We'll play games with you. Uh, and with a guy like him, I can't believe it, but the monthly relative strength momentum is the lowest I've ever seen it on oil. So maybe oil's never coming back. Now, look, I, I, I saw gold this week and gold, it, it sold off. And I think the hedge funds had a lot of gold. And I think that, you know, look, you notice they sold Abbott and Coke and Procter and Gamble this week. So I think a lot of hedge funds had to sell what they could, not what they, they, you know, were getting killed in. So they had to sell the good stuff to take care of the bad stuff, probably to stay in existence. Remember, there was a commodity fund that died Friday. Okay. Somebody bought their assets. Now, fortunately, they didn't do business with the public, but, uh, so gold still looks good as far as I'm concerned. Still looks like a great investment. Now, copper, this is really interesting because copper hit a new weekly low. And it got crushed on Friday, by the way. Uh, that answers your question, Rick. Um, but do you know that copper kills the virus? That copper starts an electrical charge against the, the virus and zaps it. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if that's true, but I heard it three times last week. So, you know, maybe copper has a future. It doesn't seem like any other basic materials do. Now, the star of the week was healthcare. No doubt about it. Healthcare. Looks like it's broken the downtrend line and is ready to, to lead the way. Technology led the way for a while, uh, and communication services was another one that looked pretty good. But they are the long term tr- trend in technology is is intact, but it's well well advanced. So, you know, healthcare is is a place where I think you want to pay attention to. Now, <laughs> we looked at the sectors. The sectors are now at ten percent. Remember, they were 59 when I said be careful. This is the first time I've seen we only have we have three favorite sectors. They are electric utilities, healthcare, and electric products. And everything except for there's everything's under 30. Okay, all but four sectors are under 10. <laughs> That's impressive, folks. Really impressive. All right, uh, I've never seen it before. So um, I'll just leave it at that. Now, um, I, <laughs> I was going to talk about asset classes, but I, I just, I, I was looking at some overbought, overthink, oversold, and, and most of the major indexes are oversold by at least 250%. Uh, that doesn't happen in a positive way, uh, but it is positive for you who are entering. Like I said, you buy in tranches, buy a little here, a little there. You know, you don't have to be the first one in. You don't have to put all your money, you know, if you had a hundred thousand bucks, I'd give it to Marshfield. You know, they're now buying. They didn't buy for half a year. 
because they saw that the market was very overvalued, uh, or at least they felt that way. But, you know, I, I would say this, the, you know, the, the investment grade corporate bonds, uh, the yield chart went straight down. Um, they did get beat up a little bit after that. And, uh, so, but crude's been out to lunch for about 10 weeks. Gold's been out for about two weeks. Uh, copper for, uh, about 10 weeks too. Uh, the dollar though, uh, the UUP looks fantastic. I was going to talk about relative strength changes, uh, but we, we had, um, nine pages of sales. So I just, we'll just leave that alone and, uh, just say, you know, I, I think you have to, if, if you got a stock, you know, email me and I'll, I'll uh, take it from there. You get the email from WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes and uh, uh, over to uh, my webpage, which is attached right there. Okay. You can just go directly there. It's very easy. Hit the email me or contact me and I'll tell you if your stock's on a relative strength buy or sell. Most of them are in bad shape at this point. Although I had 18 stocks that hit new highs last week. 18 stocks. Hey, stay tuned. By the way, it's a live show, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. PC. Okay, we're back. Uh, Jeff, if you're still listening, I was thinking of senior debt. If you're going to buy that uh, company's uh, senior debt is what you want. You want to be right next to the bank. So when they break it up, uh, what they'll probably do is give you equity. Okay. Uh, if things are so bad, if if the oil market is so dead, why? I've never seen this many insider buyers. They're scooping up their stock. And, and by the way, you know, they're giving people hell about, uh, excuse my language, but they're giving them a grief about companies, about buying back their own stock. And I think they're right because they were buying it back at a higher level. Now they have no money to buy it back or, or keep the corporate liquidity. But, boy, I'm telling you, I'm seeing corporate buying, and I, I've got some big buys here today, big, big buys from very smart money, very smart money. Okay? So listen up. Insiders buy, and I'm only looking at the big, big buys now, okay? Insiders buy for one reason. They sell for a whole bunch of reasons. They need a Porsche, they need a house on the coast of Marseille, whatever it may be, okay? They buy for one reason. They're early, they're early, they're early. Enough said. Pfizer has been buying Imera. I noticed they bought 67,000 shares last week. The week before, 860,000 shares. The week before that, uh, no, same week, two days before that, three hundred thousand, and two, and that uh, the day before that, three hundred twelve thousand. So uh, they've been buying Imera. Uh, there you go, Halliburton, oil service company. They've just wiped this stock out. This is a sixty dollars stock two three years ago. It's now six dollars and twenty four cents. One director bought a thousand a million dollars worth. And here's something interesting: Wells Fargo. The stock was fifty five. It's now twenty eight. Uh, we had a director buy 590,000 shares, and the CEO and president bought 4.96 million. AutoZone uh, was a 
1150 last week or two weeks ago. It's now 889.59, and the director bought 1.7 million. Gaming and leisure uh, properties. Uh, it's a REIT, by the way. It was at 50. It's now 1990. The CEO bought a million dollars worth. NCR. This is in the same business as Alliance Data Systems to a certain degree. Was a $35 stock. It's now 12. The president and CEO bought a uh, million dollars worth. There was a couple other purchases, like three or four of them. I didn't. I for some reason I couldn't download the amounts. Okay, but there was four or five purchases. You like to see four or five purchases. Mercury General, the financial and property casualty, the chairman bought $2.9 million. Uh, Lionsgate, Mark Richeski, who's a very bright guy. He's chairman of the board. It's Dr. Mark uh, Richeski, by the way. Uh, he filed and he bought 789,000 shares. He now owns 19 million shares. I don't understand this one. That, that's, uh, you know, direct he owns 19 million, uh, 74,000. He's got owns a couple indirect. But, you know, what I don't understand is they're using a lot of these companies that are streaming are using their studios, and they're trading at 80 or 90 times earnings. These guys are down below book value. Uh, Axis Capital Corp., another property and casualty company, uh, was at 65, is now 35. One director bought $12.7 million worth. Uh, Prospect Capital, which was uh, $7, is now 450. The CEO brought $22 million, then he bought another $20 million, then he bought another $16 million. They got a heck of a dividend if they keep it. It's like 11 12%. Okay, the Baker Brothers. This is smart money, folks. This is uh, you know one of the best biotech uh, buyers I've seen. Kodiak, they bought $75 million worth at 60 bucks. At 41 they bought another $1.3 million, then 385 then another $4.5 million. They own now 21% of the company. They also bought Acadia. Uh, they bought $21.8 million of Acadia, then another $7.2 million, and then two days later bought another $4.5 million. And then Alexion, which is a pretty high-priced stock, but what are you going to do? They bought $20 million worth and another $7.8 million two days later. That's the Baker Brothers. Now, this is interesting because Cloudera is a company that's uh, an application software company, and Carl Icahn owns 19.7% of the company, and Intel owns... 10% of the company. A director, uh, Peter Fuhrer, if you don't know who he is, you should look him up. He bought $4.998 million. So we have some pretty smart money in there. And two of those two really smart people are down three bucks, okay, from where they bought it. So that's interesting. Starwood Property Trust. This was a $26 stock. It is now 10. Uh, the chairman of the board bought $20 million worth. CEO chairman of the board bought $20 million worth. ExxonMobil. We had two buyers, one of $1.1 million and another $1.09. Exxon was a $70 stock back in January. It is now a $34 stock. Simon Property, both Herb Simon uh, and his father. Uh, Herb, uh, Herb, I'm sorry, sorry, Herb Simon is the chairman and his son, I should say. The chairman bought $9.933 million, and the CEO, his son, bought $9.95 million. Uh, Mohawk, uh, now this gentleman's been buying for a while. Philip, uh, well, he, he's an outside director. Uh, they were uh, 140, they are now 96. He bought $14.95 million. And here's one that's interesting Hawaiian Electric Value Act, which you should look those people up. This is smart money. They bought $69 million worth of Hawaiian Electric. 
Hawaiian Electric was a, a $50 stock just a month ago. Uh, they bought most of their stock around between 42 and $43 a share. Uh, so that's Value Act. And then Kayla Pharmaceuticals. This is a little low price thing that was $9 just a couple weeks ago. It's only, it's 640. RA Capital. Uh, they bought quite a bit. They're a 10% donor. They bought four point, uh, yeah, $4.999 million worth. I'm sorry, $49.9 million worth. And Rajay Shaw, who's another very bright gentleman, bought $49 million. And then uh, a gentleman by the name of Greenberg bought $19.9 million. So something's up there. And here we go. Another oil stock. Man, lots of oil stocks today. Enterprise Products. This guy's been buying. He's the CEO, chairman of the board. His father was probably one of the great oil men of all time. Uh, and he is, from what I understand, very, very competent successor to his father's uh, place. All right. This was a $30 stock back in February. It's now 15 He just bought another $1.5 million. He's bought over $170 million and higher, by the way. Valero, a company that would actually, you know, it's good that it has lower prices, but uh, because, you know, what they're doing is, is they're just processing it. Uh, the a director bought two million, and the CEO bought two point four four million. So a lot of buying there, a lot of buying. Okay, now look, uh, markets can can bottom in different ways. All right, what we've been used to is markets that bottom in V shape, but there has been bottoms that have been more saucer shape. And I believe that we'll have a saucer-shaped bottom. And the reason we, we will have to have it that way is simply because of the fact that what we're looking at is a scenario uh, where it's going to take some time to figure out what's going on. It's going to take some time to see how things are changing, okay, if we're, we're ahead of this virus or behind it. Now, look. Uh, I've heard some very stupid people talk talk to me recently. Uh, and look, I don't know if you believe it or don't believe it, okay? I know that I have a couple friends that have, are directly involved with this stuff, and they've seen it, and it ain't good, okay? So, look, my father always told me, I'm not sure about the doctor, okay? But I think he knows more than I do. In most cases, that's the case. Right. Uh, if 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 you don't believe in the doctor, you shouldn't be going to him. So when he gives me a pill, I take it to make sure that you know I'm I'm okay. And he said, you know, I feel the same way. He felt the same way with, you know, I'm not sure about God, but I'm I'm going to church every week just in case. Okay, and I you know I give my great effort there. Uh, so he doesn't doubt. He's just not sure, which is okay. All right. So the point is, we're all not sure. But there's some very smart people telling us to stay inside or, or be careful at least. So it's going to take a while to get that attitude out. Out of our systems is what I'm talking about. So we got to sit on the sidelines. Some people are going to see, you know, we're going to probably, you know, have a bottom that, you know, hits a couple new lows and then rallies back up and, you know, makes this saucer shape, shape type of bottom. A lot of charts do that, by the way. A lot of individual stocks do it. Usually, uh, we don't see that in in the overall market, but that's neither here nor there. Look, I I think we're we got huge support right where we are. 
between 1800 and and 2100. I thought we'd hold 2100. We did not. I was surprised. But I think what we'll do is a lot of uh, bottoming and testing for the next couple of months, okay? Just remember, if you want to see what Bob Dickey's talking about, our head technician, who's won more awards than I know of, for 21 straight days before this happened, he had cautionary comments, all right? Cautionary comments. So what would I do? All right, look, uh, if your stocks are down, sell them right now. doesn't make a lot of sense. Call me about a credit line. Talk to me about, uh, you know, our, our credit handbook. Uh, I think that's very, very important right now. Uh, credit savvy investors, you know, when to use, when to use credit. Uh, interest rates are at an all-time low. Right about now is probably a pretty good time. Uh, global best income ideas, the dividend growth portfolio. These are the stocks that you want to be buying right now. You can't fake a dividend. And also for you business owners, there's a lot of people out there that are in the transition planning. I have a, a business owner's guide to transition planning. I offer that to everybody. In the meantime, hey, look, I'm not sure if this is real or not, you know, but I think I think it's real enough where we should probably be be making, you know, giving our best effort to uh, stay inside, take it easy, you know, take a couple weeks off. You know, if, if we're wrong, so what? But I, I think, you know, it's just, look, as a country – this could be our finest hour if we do this right, if we work together. And that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, whether I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, let's all work together. You know, it's, it'd be kind of neat. In the meantime, this is the Smart Investor Show. I am Tim Hayes. Stay safe out there uh, and uh, have a good weekend. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.